Welcome to Author News Weekly, the weekly news show by authors for authors. We read the news so you don't have to. Join our panel of best-selling authors each week as we take a deep dive into the publishing world, both indie and traditional. Author News Weekly. Yeah, whatever. Welcome back to Author News Weekly. Thanks for joining us. I'm Ari McGee, joined by Pippa Warner. Hello. Jim Heskett. Jim Big Dog Heskett. Woof, woof. What's up? And uh, someone who's currently in need of a hot compress to make up for his skiing mishaps. Uh, if if somebody Packard. could just volunteer to like massage my inner thighs for the next day or so, that, that's all I want. One, two, three, not it. <laughs> Nose goes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's me. <laughs> Should have You're been more the one I was hoping would volunteer. <laughs> yes, it's me. You see these hands, dude? Of all the four You're people welcome. on the show, I will say your hands do look the strongest mm. and firmest yes. for yes. massaging inner thighs. I, I got you, dude. I'm ready. I got a shiatsu game on point. All right. So we are going to start out by making frantic gestures to our co-host and wondering if it is possible for us to get into the news. Oh, sick beats right on time. More than possible, <laughs> it's happening, ladies and gentlemen. Well done, Mr. Thacker. Well done. Okay, we needed the news drop today because we do have a breaking news story brought to us by Pippa here. And uh, we may have spoken about this before before it became this involved there was like a weird throwaway i think we or maybe i talked to someone else i don't remember but we did talk about it okay yeah because it seems familiar this story is from the guardian and the headline is literary mystery may finally be solved as man arrested for allegedly stealing unpublished books oh my goodness this guy his name is so much like yours pippa his name is Filippo. And your name Let's is F- Philippa. To any conclusions, even though no one has ever seen us in the same room together. <laughs> I'm very confused right now why you decided to out yourself, but whatever. We're going to pass this. I was tired uh, of no one accepting my mastery over this realm. <laughs> Are you really a criminal mastermind if no one knows that you did it? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's the hang up that they all have, right? Like you have to, people have to find out. So, Filippo Bernardini is accused of impersonating publishing figures to steal manuscripts in a scam that has stumped authors and editors for years. Now, let's see. If I remember correctly, the deal is, in the last five years or so, there were people, authors, who were victims of a phishing scam, including Margaret Atwood, Sally Rooney, and Ethan Hawke. People would get emails asking for copies of their manuscripts, and some of them fell for it. And now we've arrested Filippo for the crime. So, Pippa, why did you do this? And what was your goal by doing this scheme to everyone? Well, I know that first draft manuscripts are some of the most leverage you could ever have on an author because no one Mm. ever wants you to see them. Mm. So I just needed to have all of those favors (laughs) in my back pocket. (laughs) You call Margaret Margie now, huh? You and Margie Atwood are on a first name basis for a reason. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to go to, you know, Stephen King's chalet. (laughs) I didn't realize that that's why authors didn't like people that see them. I'm I'm like, you want to go see my first draft manuscript? Go to Amazon, type in Nick Thacker, (laughs) buy all the books. 
You're gonna you're gonna see a bunch of first drafts right there. <laughs> I will make you pay for them though. You can read them all you want. <laughs> Meanwhile, Nick has a much better hustle than the rest of us do. <laughs> He's doing well. He's doing well. So, all right, guys. I didn't get a chance to get too in depth into this article. All jokes aside, though, what's Filippo's purpose for stealing these first drafts manuscripts? Is there anyone else who might be implicated in this sordid scheme? They don't know because I hid my motivation so carefully. They're still trying to figure out the motive. They think it might just have been psychological. Well, Maybe. what because about as they point out there's like no direct profit mm-hmm. motive yet? But what yes. about when one of these books makes it? How much would people pay for the J.K. Rowling unreleased first draft manuscript Ooh, at auction? Yeah. Right. So, like, I'm just totally guessing, but if it were me and it's totally not me, I'm definitely not this person. You don't talk with your hands enough to be an Italian citizen, dude. I totally may not be this person. No, I mean, if they were me still, all all these manuscripts and stuff, like, it can be a victimless crime for a long time. And even if the author wakes up to it and be like, wow, that was like, it says here, penguin randorn house.com. You know, he was using these email addresses. Kerning, man. Kerning. Her, sorry, using these email addresses. They may not even, they may, oh, you know, shame on me, whatever. They just have the manuscript and the book is being published as is and they never hear from the person ever again. And that's fine. But then, you know, all of a sudden your book makes it. And then six months later, your first draft manuscript shows up on eBay or something. I could see that being a long-term, it's like, it's a long con, you know, maybe that's what they're doing. I guess part of me is interested because the interesting twist in this is that he worked for Simon and Schuster. Right. But to my knowledge, all of those authors, were they all Simon and Schuster authors? Because it would make sense if he was potentially trying to take something for his employer. But if they were all on the label already, then I don't understand that part of it. Right. It seems like he would already have access to the first draft manuscript if he wanted it. Right. What do you think, Jim? When's the last time you responded to an email from Penguin Randorn House? <laughs> I get plenty of phishing emails, and because I have started podcasts, what I get all the time constantly are requests to have authors on my podcast. Mm-hmm. Like I get at least one of those every day. It's like, do you know about Steve Stevenson? He wrote a book, and he would really like to come on your podcast. I'm like, I don't do that. Stop emailing me. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with this Guardian. I have noticed that the, the section of the Guardian's page that asks for a subscription is getting slowly getting more percentage Bigger of the page. And big. I don't know what to think about all this. It seems like, I don't know who this Filippo Bernardino person is, but he seems incredibly clever. Um, <laughs> and I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, I don't know seems- that he seems clever, though, to me. Honestly, it seems like he thinks he's clever. <laughs> I'm getting a vibe of this person being like, <laughs> I put an R and an N instead of an M, and it looks like Penguin Random House, but it really says Randorn House. It what, says Penguin. Yeah, what now, Nick? <laughs> and he's just literally asking people for their first draft manuscript and then getting them in his inbox. That doesn't seem clever to me. That seems like he found a lot of stupid people. <laughs> I mean, I never thought of it. So I know I'm, I never thought of it either, but I'm, if Penguin Randorn House sends you an email for your first draft manuscript, are you just going to fucking send it? Really? Like, no, I'm like, yeah, show me the contract where I'm giving you a book and you're paying me money because I don't remember signing one. But I guess all these authors are so desperate for validation that they'll just send their shit to anyone. I don't know. But I mean, it's Margaret Atwood, though. Like... She's I pretty, rest my case. She's got a TV show. What's your point? 
She got she's a got a TV show. show. Does she know she has a TV show? I mean, that's the thing. Like, well, we I don't know about that. We're assuming that she knows about Handmaid's Tale, but I don't know that. Who knows? Please tell me you're not talking it. trash about Margaret Atwood. I ain't talking anything about Margaret Atwood. I don't know the woman. I'm just saying. <laughs> if you fall for a scam like this. Yeah, ready to fight now. <laughs> there's some intellectual wires that may be crossed up there. That's all I'm saying. Or she's old. I don't know. Maybe she's old. She looks old. I didn't know what she looked like. So when you sent this article talking about Filippo Bernardini, I'm seeing this chick on the front. And I'm like, well, he looks, he does look mischievous in that picture. <laughs> I'm going to link to this in the show notes. You listeners, go check this picture out. It's Margaret Atwood. It's not even about, it's not even the freaking guy that they're talking about in this article. And I don't know why they, I hate that. But it's the Guardian. She kind of has a knowing smile like, I may have gotten scammed and I'm she still does. on the red carpet. No, okay. So here, uh, full, full circle, Jim. Maybe she is extremely smart. This is the picture of a woman who's scamming all of us. That's, what, so? that's what her face says. I don't know yet. It's a long game. But she thinks. That She's we think that Filippo Bernardini got her, but this face tells me that she got him. We just haven't discovered it yet. Maybe she was getting the things from Filippo so she could work new books and take them and take their ideas. Maybe it's a book that she couldn't sell to the agent. And they were like, no, this is no good. And she was like, I got a scam for you. Here we go. And she's going to spin this all the way up the chain. Until pretty soon, everyone's like, I got to get my hands in that first draft manuscript that Margaret Atwood's book because Filippo stole it and it's terrible. It's just not any good. I bet that's what it is. It's, this is a sale. This is all branding. This is a sales pitch right here. Sales 101. Yes, the well known triumvirate of Margaret Atwood, <laughs> Ethan Hawke, and <laughs> <laughs> working, working in the background like the Rothschilds or something. You just don't know. She's off on her to her Bildersberger appointment. You know. All right, all three of us write we write city manuscript, and then that's right. Five year part of the con. Uh, the long con. Tell me, man, this is like that hundred year library shit we talked about a few <laughs> months ago. All these people. This is just some no name author from like you know whatever. And Wait a minute, Ra Margaret Atwood was in the hundred year library project too, wasn't she? Mm -hmm. Yo, no comment. Just to saying, something, dude. Just saying. We found the connective <laughs> tissue. That's it. That's it. Dude. It's no, Margie it's, all This along. manuscript was so bad that the Hundred Year Library Project wouldn't even have it, and so she had to spin up some other thing, and she got her her boy Filippo to go totally making finger quotes, not secretly ask her to send the manuscript over. That's the scam. Can we please move on to the next topic? <laughs> <laughs> Jim is very. I got more to say about this. Okay, I got more he's, to say about this. He's very uncomfortable with us mentioning Margaret Atwood this many times. He's like, at some like, point, I am going to have to step in here. Found Jim. Found Jim's pin name. <laughs> All right, we will move along for Mr. Heskett. All right, our next story comes to us from Written Word Media. They're the free booksy bargain booksy folks, and they have a article. It's pretty interesting. It's the top eight publishing trends for 2022. And I think maybe we'll go through, we'll see how time looks. We may go through a few of them today. But some of them are worth uh, kind of exploring because I think there's a little meat on the bone here for us to kind of talk about. So let's go to number one, okay? Number one is the number one indie trend for 2022 is direct sales for authors continue to grow. It says that more authors saw success with direct sales from their own websites in 2021. And we see this continuing in 2022. Brian Cohen, the ubiquitous Brian Cohen, says that authors with the following could see the largest gains here. So 
Are we that excited about selling books from our website? And if so, what do you have in place to make that happen? Uh, whoever wants to jump in first. Everyone kind of has this look, so I don't think I can single anyone out. Payhip. I'm using Payhip. And the reason I am actually excited about it is that I can do that thing we talked about a few months ago and try different covers and different descriptions and see if different ones convert more. A-B testing. Oh, and see which one sells more on your site, from your site, huh? Yeah. So in order to do that, you're selling the paperbacks, right? I'm assuming. No, what I can do is I can do Facebook advertising to the PayHip site. Mm. and do so like different covers different marketing copy stuff like that hmm. and then see which link took you to the because uh, you and have the best sell through yeah that's interesting i didn't even never considered that jim's always talking about amazon is in the data game and you're cutting them out when you do that you're getting your own data pippa Oh, and I'm man, here I'm for gonna it. I'm going to wind up dead in a ditch. I'm here for it. <laughs> Jim, <laughs> no what, what, what about... It's <laughs> never going to actually happen because the hitman they hire is going to be like overseas and they're not going to be able to communicate via email with the hitman. <laughs> and so the hit, you're going to get an we email. sign up for a callback from our hitman in the next My eight, name ten minutes. is Jessica from Amazon Support. I would like to meet you by, by this ditch. <laughs> On 3 February 2022. That's funny. All right. Please bring proof of copyright with you. Jim, yeah. are you selling things on your website? And if you are not, is it something that you want to look into? I don't, and I'm not currently interested in it because the nice thing about Amazon and Apple Books and all those Kobo and all those other stores is they have traffic already. So if you're going to sell direct, you need to have traffic. If you know how to get lots of traffic to your website or how to get the right traffic to your website, then more power to you because direct sales gives you so much more power and control. And, you know, you can get email addresses. Every single person you sell a, a book to from your website, you can get their email address. And that's amazing. Amazon will never, ever, ever do that. Amazon's never going to give us that data. It's just never going to happen. But I'm not interested in it because to make a couple bucks more off a book sale doesn't seem as worth it to me as to get that sweet, sweet algorithm juice from Amazon. You know, every sale not on Amazon is one sale Amazon will never see and never know and never bump my book up in the ranks because of that. So it's not worth it to me. Mm. Nicholas. If oh, I may call you Nicholas. You may. You Thanks. can call me whatever you want. With those hands. I was going to say. <laughs> throw me a bone here, dude. <laughs> oh, I'm oh, throwing man. you a bone. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. We just earned our explicit content tag. Um, <laughs> I'm with Jim. This doesn't seem like an area I'm going to be doing much more in this year. That said, I've already set up you know, a storefront on my website. I've got paperback versions available. I'm not going to be spending money and time driving customers to my website for this reason. Now, I may do something besides books, when it comes to direct sales, you know, um, swag, things like that, I may focus on that a little bit more. But I just kind of want to point out like this, I like written word, okay, uh, Clayton Noblet wrote this, good reporting on the overall industry in general. However, I do think it's a little misleading of a title. This is the top eight publishing trends for 2022. And I've kind of skimmed through this now, and I haven't seen anywhere where there's actually any numbers cited about growth in any direction on any of these things. And so taking this first one as an example, direct sales for authors continue to grow says who? Like there's nobody is actually saying that. Now that may be true. This article doesn't say that. 
So I'm not going to rest my hopes in this basket of possibilities because written word media says that this is going to happen. Brian Cohen doesn't say that could happen either. He says that authors with a following could see the largest gain. Well, yeah, duh. That's true with anything, right? And Mark, another friend of mine at Drafted Digital, you know, he says he sees direct sales growing, but that's because everything's getting easier and people are able to do no code stuff. All my point is to say, if anyone's listening to this is like, what should you focus on in 2022? I don't know that this tells us the answer or not. Very good. Maybe Very it good. does. But like Jim said, it doesn't seem worth it to chase a couple extra bucks here and there, you know, especially if that person is not going to buy your ebook on Amazon and instead will buy your paperback. I think it's more worth getting less money and using that sale to count towards the algorithm on Amazon if that's where you are. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Let's go to story number two. Okay. Now, one of you guys is going to have to get your definition hat on for the audience. Not for me at all, but only for the audience, okay? This is in the authors embrace next generation technology. Just as new technology will power more direct ebook sales, it will also change the way authors write and sell their IP. Now, they go in to talk about the NFT boom, and I'm not at all surprised to see Joanna Penn talking about it. I always call her a futurist. She's hip on new things and very adaptable. So let's pretend like you don't know what an NFT is. Someone explain an NFT to the buffoons in the audience. Not to me, not to me, but the buffoons in the audience. Oh, it, it's something that is completely impossible to right-click save. <laughs> <laughs> NFT is a non-fungible token. Yes, I know that's what the word means. And I know that like it means that you own fractional piece of you can't a fund art token. Right. That's the thing, though. So what good is it to own an NFT? People make money on it, not just the authors. What's in it for the purchaser of an NFT? Don't think of it like a piece of technology. Think of it as a contract. That's really what is happening here. The product being sold doesn't necessarily change. It's the contract that protects that product. So the product can be anything, a song, a, a book, a picture, whatever. But the contract runs on what's called the blockchain. For all intents and purposes, let's just call it unhackable. So you can't make it up, right? Because the blockchain works by comparing ledgers with everybody's computers, right? You have the most accurate information. So imagine a contract for your book where you say, if you give me money, I'm going to give you a book. I'm going to send it to you in the mail. And then I'm going to contractually obligate you to own that book as long as you want. But then when you sell that book to somebody else, or even just give it to your friend, you're going to have to pay me 10% of whatever that sale was. Now, in the real world, the snail mail, print paperback world, there's no way to, to actually you know, adhere to the terms of that contract, right? You can do whatever you want with that paperback. And the author's never going to know. The publisher's never going to know. With NFTs, that's not the case anymore. It's obviously got to be digital because the blockchain lives on computers, but you can now protect your work in a different way. So if you wanted to write a contract and sell an NFT, a book in this case, to a reader, they could own that book completely free and clear, not like this bullshit that Amazon tells us we own our books on our Kindle. Oh, up until we decide to not let you own that book anymore. We take it. They can't do that anymore. Now you contractually own that piece of property. And if it's in the contract where you could actually resell that to somebody else, you can totally do that. And then the author or publisher, whoever wrote that contract, that NFT can get a cut from it. So that's just one example of all this stuff. But that's how you could use something like an NFT to release a book or a piece of art or a song or something. And a lot of people aren't doing that. They're just buying a digital copy 
with an NFT contract attached to it because it's cool, because it's new, you know? Yeah, so a, a lot of it of, is... Uh, yeah, back and forth with is it worth it or not? But think of it in terms of what it can do. If there was a marketplace like Amazon where you could go buy books, but then you actually would own those books outright, you could sell them, you could resell them, whatever you wanted to do, because all that's built into the underlying contract. You don't have to worry about the details. It's a commodity. You can trade a commodity. So if you actually... Again, I am not saying this is what's going on. If you think of it as money laundering. Mm -hmm. As I often do. I think of everything <laughs> as, as what money often laundering. Does. Right. Any, anything new, I just immediately that. assume is money laundering. That's oh, right, yeah, criminal. <laughs> but it's a way for people to exchange money. They've just got a, a thing attached to it. So that can help conceptualize it. The thing that gets me is if it were to become a thriving marketplace, I think the ability of it to become a thriving marketplace would hinge on a great deal of trust and trustworthy behavior on people's parts that I simply do not believe will happen because they are so easy to steal and take out of the NFT marketplace. And there's no real way to enforce ownership in current legalities um, hmm. and keep that from happening. So it's also weird. So I saw an article. I don't I trust saw, people enough is my life. I, you shouldn't, my friend, as you shouldn't. I saw a thing where like Tarantino was going to release like eight uncut scenes from Pulp Fiction as an NFT. And like, you know, the Miramax is fighting with him about it or whatever. But that aside, <laughs> so he's going to package this together, sell it to people as an NFT digitally. And then so essentially they would own it like they would own it any other way that they own a digital copy of it. And there's just restrictions on how they move it around. Well, yeah, but that's where HIPAA's coming in with, you know, there's nothing preventing you from then stealing that content and then doing whatever you want to do with it outside of the terms of that NFT. So yeah, it does come down to some trust, but you got to think of this whole thing as the internet circa 1995. Everybody and their dog was like, how do I make a website? I just want to make a website. So you have all these people throwing shit online, thinking it's going to stick or hoping it's going to stick and half of it didn't stick, you know, but it's very clear that the internet now is extremely useful. Most of us wouldn't be able to function in our careers without it. I think NFTs are the same way. Right now, it doesn't make sense to anybody really because like you said, you can poke a bunch of holes in. Why would I pay for a JPEG that I can just go right click and download and own? It's not about that. It's about this new technology allowing you to write a contract with customers, other people, whatever, that doesn't require a human to enforce right? Yes, there's going to be trust. There's always an issue with hacking. There's always going to be people with pirate websites and all that. That's going to be true. So that's almost a non-issue because it's already true. I can go find all of our books on the Z library or whatever that it's an illegal pirate website, right? That's not the point. I'm focusing on Amazon because that's what pays me money. So I'm going to put my eggs in that basket. Just like with NFTs, at some point in the next, I think, year, there's going to be a marketplace or marketplaces that buy and sell NFTs that gains trust, gets starting down the road of mainstream appeal and understanding. And it's probably not going to sell something that's currently being sold as an NFT, meaning it's going to be a whole new thing that we didn't even think about. Dog walking or whatever. Wow. You know, it turns out you could put an NFT on a contract is that is far easier to enforce the terms of or an Airbnb. I'm going to go get an Airbnb somewhere where I don't have to have a human to argue with me about the terms. I'm just making things up. But the point is, we don't even know yet what's going to be sold as an NFT. But there will be something. That's my prediction. There will be something that we all go, oh, now that I see it, it makes perfect sense. And now that oh, absolutely. I would sense. simply say that a big part of how it's being sold is that these things are unique. Right. Mm -hmm. 
and because so technologically speaking, they are to that because. But that again, you know, technologically speaking, that's yes. an accurate statement because you have a blockchain-based. But contract this is like statistical is accuracy one. versus real accuracy. Exactly. When you're talking about mainstream people who don't understand what an NFT is or care about programming on Ethernet and gas fees and all that, then yeah, of course it's not unique. But to people who are looking at it from the software perspective, the architecture underneath, yeah, it technically is. Technologically speaking, it is unique. You're exactly right, though. We need different words and different terms in place before we start going spending money. I'm not going to pay extra for a JPEG with an NFT on it. Then I would pay it deposit photos for that same picture. Yeah, it's like it reminds me of the fee-free mutual funds that are out there that are fee-free because all of the fees are not called fees. Mm, like, right. oh, we just well, that was an accurate name. statement, right. but like, yes, <laughs> you have earned the privilege to pay us extra money. It's a privilege fee, so, <laughs> a privilege price, a freedom well, charge. <laughs> that's pretty interesting. I'm interested because this whole thing is so foreign to me right now. I did see that a bunch of people bought a copy of the Declaration of Independence because apparently there are a few original copies, and so a bunch of people NFT'd a copy of the Declaration of Independence. Huh for a lot of money a while back. And that was really weird to me. So yeah, I think that's all kind of dumb. And there's people with disposable income being people with disposable income. But again, that's not to discount the technology that's here that's never been able to exist with prior computing power, or not even power, but just blockchain-based technology that requires nodes and things like that. So it is kind of cool what we're able to do in the future, but we're definitely not there yet. I do not think it's worth any author going out and making an NFT of their book at this point because there's no marketplace for that. Uh, now, if you want to do that because it's fun, if that's something that you know and you're interested in, then do it. But I don't think we're going to see people buying books as NFTs and paying more money for them. You know, It potentially could be another avenue, another revenue stream, but I don't see readers preferring, you know, I'm going to buy this as an NFT because it just doesn't make sense for that type of contract. Hmm. We'll see well, that. I don't know. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. I may have to go dig up Joanna Penn's podcast where she talks about it and get her take on it and try to merge all of your guys' takes in my brain so I can figure this thing out. So, But I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys dropping some knowledge bombs in here about that stuff. So I'm looking at the time, and I think we'll save. We talked about Margie Atwood long enough that I think we don't have time for some of these other stories, and we'll do them next week. So you guys got anything you want to add to this story? Any spontaneous emissions of guilt you'd like to give us, Pippa? I have a spontaneous emission of anger. Oh. That one of our dogs shattered the coffee pot, so now I have to go buy another one. Ooh. Doesn't he know that's doubly bad? I got to spend money and I'm not caffeinated. Do you allow your dogs on the counter or do you make coffee on the floor? We have one dog who is capable of very ridiculous, spontaneous vertical jumps. (laughs) Like, this dog is 50% broken springs and 50% cocaine. (laughs) Um, (laughs) As far as I can tell, she's a lovely dog, but she doesn't know how to be a dog. And so (laughs) I'm going to blame it on her. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, good times. All right. For all of us at Author News Weekly, I'm Ari McGee saying this meeting is over. Goodbye, everybody.